Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Don't compare yourself to one another. Don't compare yourself to any human being. The only one you need to compare yourself is to God himself. He is perfect and holy. There's no one like him. And the gulf between us is so great. The only one who could bring this union together is Jesus Christ, the mediator. He's in the middle. He's a mediator. He's perfect and holy and yet perfectly man at the same time. Only he could have gotten us and brought us up to heaven. Do you get it? Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio for today. We may think that our sin sets God against us, but God's love is so great that in His love, He went to the ultimate measure to make us able to stand in the face of His holy righteousness. Through Jesus, God can be on our side even when we are guilty sinners. A human defense lawyer argues for the innocence of his client. But our advocate, Jesus Christ, admits our guilt and then enters his plea on our behalf as the one who has made an atoning sacrifice for our sinful guilt. Lord, we thank you for your amazing grace. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's message. Subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But notice the encouragement. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God indwells you. So if you're a believer in Christ and you've got the Spirit of God indwelling you, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. So we, the exhortation is to walk in the Spirit. Does that mean that you can um, still uh, do things according to the flesh? Absolutely. But we're going to see later on the encouragement from John as well. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God indwells you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, notice you will live. So we need to walk in the Spirit. We need to walk in the light of Christ. I would encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 5, the very first 13 verses. Time doesn't really permit us to do that this morning. But I would encourage you to do that. Because you are the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said that of himself. But then to his disciples in Matthew 5, he says, but now you are the light of the world. I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be departing. 
But now you guys are to be the light of the world. You're the ones who are to take the message out to all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that not what he said to them before he ascended into the clouds on the Mount of Olives, from the Mount of Olives? He said, you are the light of the world. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, notice there's two things that happens when we walk in the light. Number one, we have fellowship. We have that koinonia, that, 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 that relationship that is, uh, there's joint participation. Every, you know, the two parties involved in it benefit from this union. That's what koinonia is. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship, number one, with God. And the second thing is, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Have you been washed in the blood? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Right? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. What does walking in the light look like practically? Well, it means that we are in communication with God, that we're people of prayer. That's part of it. It means that we turn away from evil things. We turn away from evil thoughts, evil actions, and we do what the Word of God tells us. And we do what we know is right to do, even if it's hard to do it. Because, listen, very rarely will doing the right thing be easy. It is always easier to sin or commit sins of omission. (laughs) We, We can commit sins. Sometimes we sin by not doing something we should be doing. That's what's called a sin of omission. God wants you to do something, but you say, you know what, somebody else will do it. And God says, no, I called you to do it. I want you to do it. Oh, I'm too busy, Lord. Okay. (laughs) Walking in the Spirit, walking in the light, are doing these things. And there could be a list of many more of things of this. But what about some practical examples? Men, walking in the light means if you see an attractive woman jogging down Browncroft Boulevard when you leave here today, that you don't take a, a long first look, and you certainly don't take a second. Walking in the light means you see her, regardless of how she's dressed. You turn your eyes, because you know yourself. You turn away, and you think of something else, and you don't look back. A little fire will create a tempest. You don't need that. Trust me, and I can tell you, the more you do that, the more free you'll be from lust, and women for you as well. Same thing. Practical. How do we do that? Or what happens if we're at work and a co-worker begins to gossip about something? Do we stop them and not entertain it? By doing so, you are walking in the light. When we see someone who is genuinely in need, do we help them if we can? If we can. Do we laugh at filthy jokes? Do we listen to music that doesn't glorify the Lord? Do we watch movies and read magazines? that are just full of junk, by abstaining from those things, we are walking in the light. We're, we're, we're choosing to push away and then to do something else, getting into the Word of God and letting Him change our life. Remember the phrase, sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. You sow a character and you reap a destiny. It's true, isn't it? Even though I don't really hold to anything else this man says, but I I believe that that's true. These kinds of things. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The word sin here is hamartia. It's the, it's the word for sin. It just means missing the mark. Notice verse 8 in our text this morning. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Notice that the word is singular. If we say that we have no sin, that means it's talking about the sin nature. We were all born with a sin nature. Some people believe that we haven't been born with a sin nature. Some people think that, well, there's good in everybody. There's, you know, every, there's good in everybody. No, there isn't any good in anybody. That's the, that's the horrible truth. There's nothing good in us. Otherwise, why did we need to be born again? Why did we need a new nature when the old nature was so corrupt and bent on rebellion? We need a new nature. That's what being born again is, is receiving the very nature of God by asking him and and, and saying, God, I believe in everything you said. Forgive me, Lord. Spirit of God, come upon me. Come into me. Consume me and make my life meaningful. Make my life glorify you, Lord. I love you. You saved me from an eternity. Man, I I can't escape the idea of eternity. It, It never ends. I mean, if you think about it long enough, it'll drive you insane. Eternity, folks, it never ends. Think about it very carefully. I wish I could have a microphone on top of the Empire State Building and have amplifiers that would just echo out throughout the United States and just say, "Remember, think of this. People don't think anymore. There are very few thinkers today. They have little sound bites that they get from Rush Limbaugh or they have a sound bite that they get from so-and-so and a little sound bite here and they're fed this stuff and they don't even know what, they, they don't even know what they're thinking. They're getting all their stuff from somebody else. Think. Think about it. <laughs> it's not that hard. It's profound, but it's not hard. But John here is speaking of the sin nature. If we say that we don't have a sin nature, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And here John is combating this Gnostic belief that since all matter is evil and only the spirit is what is important, that we, that we do not have a sin nature. No, we have a sin nature. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, we do. I wish I didn't. But it says this in Romans chapter 5. If you think, well, I'm not a sinner. I don't have sin in me. Well, look what Romans says in chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Paul says to them, Therefore, just as through one man, he's speaking of Adam, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Is no law. Nevertheless, Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. It is possible to deceive yourself and believe a lie. But the teeth of the gospel is that we are sinners. And the devil, he will do everything he can to affirm you in this rebellion. I haven't sinned. I'm better than the next guy. Don't compare yourself to one another. Don't compare yourself to any human being. The only one you need to compare yourself is to God himself. He is perfect and holy. There's no one like him. And the gulf between us is so great. The only one who could bring this union together is Jesus Christ, the mediator. He's in the middle. He's a mediator. He's perfect and holy and yet perfectly man at the same time. Only he could have gotten us and brought us up to heaven. Do you get it? Only he could do it. Only he could do it. But if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Notice in verse 9, if we confess our sins, now this is something entirely different. Sins is, are the individual acts of sin. Why do I sin? Because I'm a sinner. 
The individual acts of sin that I commit are because I have a nature that is born in sin. Didn't David say that? I was altogether born in sins. While I was in my mother's womb, that's what he said. And as believers, we need to do this. Whenever we know that we have sinned, we need to confess our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See the promise? If we confess, then what happens? He is faithful. It's a conditional statement, which leads you to believe that if I don't confess my sins, then I won't be forgiven. Now, that's a hard thing to say. Now, I don't believe that uh, for a minute. I believe that when you receive Christ, your sins are forgiven. And so you may think, well, what happens if my last act of defiance on the earth, you know, right before I, you know, before death came upon me, I sinned. I, I believe that God covers that. Okay, so we don't have to worry about that. But we also need to be very careful because if we confess it, when you know of something, confess it, and he then is faithful. And this is a serious truth, folks, a very serious truth. I've talked with so many people who have sinned in their past, and they still have not. They say, well, I just haven't forgiven myself. Well, listen, you can forgive yourself later, but first receive the forgiveness of Almighty God and comprehend, pray, and, and ask God to give you that release from your own selfishness because we like to hold on to stuff. We like to hold on to the grave clothes of what God has already forgiven us for. We like to rub our noses in it because it makes us feel good because then we atone for our sin. It's harder, isn't it, to believe the truth. It's hard to believe this truth. I don't have a problem with it for some reason, but some people do. Maybe you, you grew up in a, in, a, in a tradition in church where you had to go jump through the hoops in order to be forgiven. I don't know. You, you really messed up this time. But if you write that check out, you know, just add another zero and a comma to that tight check, and you know what? It's going to be in much better shape then. No, God doesn't receive that. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 3, he says, What then, Paul says, are we better than they? Not, all, not at all. For we have uh, previously charged both Jews and Greeks that are all under the sin. As it is written, and he quotes here from Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together all become... They've together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Isn't that a great message? <laughs> There's no one that's done good. Yeah, great. Oh. Some people say, boy, God, you're just a killer for my self-esteem. You know what? Your self-esteem, we need to be broken. God's not worried about your self-esteem. Sometimes I think our self-esteem in this culture has become an idol. Don't touch the self-esteem. You might break me. No, you need to be broken. How else are you going to look up? I needed to be broken. And when I came to Christ, it wasn't because I thought so great of myself. I came to Christ because I was completely consumed in my sin and I knew it and I was convicted in my core. Only then could I look up in tears and beg God to forgive me. <laughs> my self-esteem was ruined. Praise God. Crush it. Consume it. Burn it in hot flame. <laughs> it needs to go. My problem is I think too highly of myself. Even after I've given my heart to Christ, I shouldn't. 
all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Bear with me here. Let's just get to the verse 10 there. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us, because the word of God tells us that we are sinners. And I just read the passage to you. In Ecclesiastes even, it says, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. In Galatians 3, it says this, But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. And those are hard things. But John is telling you, don't be overcome with sorrow over this. Because why? Because notice in verse 1 of chapter 2 here. He says, My little children, and this is such a wonderful word of endearment. John, the old statesman, is looking at these young, young Christians underneath him, and he sees them as like his apprentice, these young people coming up, and he says, My little children. It's a term of endearment. Jesus used the same term. He says, These things I write to you so that you may not sin. I'm not trying to discourage you and rub your nose in it, because I myself am I'm a sinner as well. Don't be discouraged. And oh, by the way, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate with the Father. John loves them, and it's apparent by this choice of words. My little children, little children. But notice what he says. And here's the wonderful thing. And if anyone sins, notice he didn't say, uh, you know, that you can't sin. He says, if anyone sins, because you're going to, we have an advocate See, we all know that we're not perfect people. We know that we're going to sin. But when we do, we are not without help. The word, this word advocate, is the parakletos. This is the same word that John used in his gospel when he spoke of the Holy Spirit, that he would give. Once he ascended into heaven, after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, he would ascend to the Father. But before he did, he says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send the Spirit of God, the the Comforter. That's this word, parakletos. It's a helper, the parakletos. I'm going to send you one like myself. But because I'm only one person on the earth, now I'm going to be able to do it for everyone simultaneously. Do you see the benefit of the Holy Spirit? Every one of us, every people in China right now are being benefited by the Spirit of God while we sit here today. It's what, 11.30 at night. They're sleeping. And our day has just begun. And the Spirit of God, the Paracletos, has already ministered to them today as he's ministering to us right now. It literally means a comforter, one who pleads another's cause. That's what this word advocate here is. Aren't you glad that you have an advocate? Did you know that you have Jesus Christ, the righteous, as your defending attorney, as your sins are brought up before the, 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 the bar of God, the throne of God, the judge of the earth? And for you to be standing there before the throne of God, the Father, and the charges are laid against you, and the devil's right there with his iPad, and he's just scrolling through. Look at all this stuff. Look at all this stuff. He's just scrolling through. Look at all these things. Man, you're really bad. Look at that. Oh, that one was specifically interesting. I mean, really? And then and he just keeps going, keeps going for hours. He's doing that. And your attorney stands up and says, this one's with me. Part of the family. One of the reasons I died on Calvary. Father, welcome him in. I paid the price for him or her. Father, Father, this one's with me. That's what our judge, our advocate, will do for us, that he's already done for us. That's why we have to confess 
our sins. But Jesus or is um, this advocate is Jesus Christ, and we see it in the Gospel of John. Look in John's, uh, when you get a moment, look at John chapter 14 and chapter 15 and chapter 16, and you'll read about this helper, this parakletos. This is the advocate that we're speaking of this morning, this helper who will help you. And it says in verse 2, And he himself, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for those of the whole world. The word means literally someone who appeases, someone who expiates your sin. Jesus is the mercy seat. Remember in the Old Testament? The high priest would go in once a year on the Day of Atonement and take blood and offer it on the mercy seat in the ark where they were only to go once a year. And they dropped that blood on the mercy seat, which covered the tablets underneath, the very law of God. And who is the one? I love what Paul says in, in Romans. He says, God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith, Jesus Christ. And this word literally means the mercy seat, the propitiation in your place. For Christ suffered once for sins. This advocate, the just, for the unjust, which is you and I. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And I love this last phrase in verse 2. He says, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. The whole world. Not just for me and you, but for everyone. The the, the atonement has been given already for those who have put their faith in him. It doesn't mean uh, that there's a, there's a phrase called universal salvation, which is, is the idea that everyone ultimately will be saved. But the Bible says clearly that's not the case. Not everyone will be saved, but the remedy for it has already been taken care of. And all we have to do is respond in faith to that, and we can have the assurance. You can have the assurance that your sin will be forgiven, and that when you die, or when the rapture occurs, you'll be taken and you'll be with him forever and ever and ever. And it will never, ever, ever end. It will just keep going. Pleasures forevermore. Holy pleasures. Not the pleasures of the earth. So much better and so much greater. So much wonder. But that salvation is available and he paid the price for anyone who puts their faith in Christ. In his death and in his resurrection. And so be encouraged, you know, as, as, as John is laying out these things. If you do these things, if you say that you walk in darkness, or you have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, there's a problem. But walk in the light, that's the exhortation, as he is in the light, and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. Amen? Let's stand together. Father, we pray that each one of us today... Lord, we would continue to walk in the light as you are in the light. Lord, that we'd have fellowship with you. That we'd be in the same place as you are. And that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning. For anyone who is discouraged. Lord, who's struggling with an area of sin. Perhaps something that's been plaguing them for years. And Lord, have been hanging on to it. Lord, you alone have the power to deliver. And I pray that you would deliver the body of Christ from anything. In this fellowship, Lord, all of us, anything 
that is keeping us from your fullness, from, from enjoying the, the great peace that you have for us, Lord. Would you please do that work in us today? Strengthen us, Lord, by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.